IndyCar fans, it's time to start your engines. Welcome to Pit Pass IndyCar, a production of Evergreen Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Martin, a journalist who regularly covers the NTT IndyCar series. Our goal at Pit Pass Indy is to give racing fans an insider's view of the exciting world of the NTT IndyCar series in a fast-paced podcast featuring interviews with the biggest names in the sport. I covered my first race in the inaugural Michigan 500 as a sports intern for the Toledo Blade way back in 1981. Since that time, I've been able to build a tremendous relationship with the drivers, mechanics, engineers, team owners, and series officials in both IndyCar and NASCAR. I've had the opportunity to cover races for brands like National Speed Sport News, NBCSports.com, SI.com, ESPN Sports Ticker, Auto Week, and Speed Sport. But this show isn't about me. It's about the star drivers and the daring heroes of IndyCar. So let's drop the green flag on this episode of Pit Pass Indy. Today's episode of Pit Pass Indy begins with some sad news as three-time Indianapolis 500 winning driver Bobby Unser passed away late Sunday night after a lengthy illness. He was 87. Upon reflecting on the passing of the three-time Indy 500 winner and 10-time Pikes Peak Hill Climb champion, a line from Dr. Seuss comes to mind. Don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. Only the lucky ones in life get a chance to meet their heroes. Even fewer get to one day call them their friend. That was my relationship with Bobby Unser. It seems that on my journey to the Indianapolis 500, Unser was a key part of the landscape. It was like he designed the roadmap. When I was just a kid growing up in the northern Indiana community of Plymouth in the early 1960s, he was already a fan favorite at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway because he drove the big, loud-as-hell Novi. The Novi was fast and loud, and the fans loved it, but it never won the Indy 500. Back in the 1960s, there were only three ways to actually see the Indianapolis 500 on race day. Buy a ticket and attend the race, something my father would never do, or watch the MCA closed-circuit telecast of the race in selected movie theaters across the country on Memorial Day. For most of us, it was a third option. Wait until the race was shown on ABC's Wide World of Sports three weeks later. As a fourth grader in 1968, I anxiously awaited those Saturday afternoons in June to see if this was the week that the Indianapolis 500 would be featured on Wide World of Sports. I already knew that Bobby Unser had driven the victory that year as the turbine-powered STP creation built by Andy Granatelli conked out after dominating the race for the second year in a row. Before the race, Unser was interviewed by ABC, and in my head, I was amazed that they knew he was going to win before the race ever began. That was about the extent of my television production knowledge as a nine-year-old. Every year, I would tune into the Indianapolis Motor Speedway radio network and listen to Sid Collins call the race. There were always key names that I paid close attention to. A.J. Foyt, Mario Andretti, Bobby Unser, and Lloyd Ruby. Later, such names as L. Unser, Gordon Johncock, and Johnny Rutherford would be added to the list, and even later, a young kid from Southern California named Rick Mears was added to my list of favorites that I followed closely. Bobby Unser was on the list because he was a charger. He drove a race car as fast as it would go every lap. 
Meantime, younger brother Al was the driver who conserved the car and its potential to make sure it was around at the end. Bobby Unser was all about speed, and he had a big personality to match. He was also opinionated and never afraid to speak out on a topic. He would often drive the car as fast as it would go in the early and middle portion of the race, but wouldn't be around at the end. Sometimes the engine wouldn't last and Unser dropped out. Unser's famous quotes afterwards would be, there were many times that I may not have finished, but I was leading the race when that happened, Unser would often say. Even if I didn't win, the fans knew that Bobby Unser was the fastest driver on the track. I didn't grow up in a racing family. My dad and brothers were more into stick and ball sports, but I was fascinated by the Indianapolis 500 and the legends that raced there every May. It wasn't until 1981 when I finally made it to the Indy 500 for the first time as a junior at Indiana University. We partied all night in the long line of cars and party animals waiting for the gates to open at 5 a.m. on race day 1981. Back then, the snake pit had moved down to the fourth turn, and I made sure to get as close to the fence as possible to actually see the race. Bobby Unser started on the pole that day and was the dominant story of the race. The only other driver in the field that could keep up and contend was Mario Andretti. It was almost fitting that in my first Indy 500 in person, Bobby Unser was both the winner and the larger story that came from it. Watching a race in the Indianapolis Motor Speedway infield, nobody knew of the controversy that occurred when Unser passed nine cars leaving the pits during a caution period. Andretti's Pat Patrick racing team was set to file a protest with USAC, but USAC had already reviewed the race and the incident and issued a post-race penalty against Unser and named Andretti the winner of the race at 8 a.m. the following morning. Unser's team owner, Roger Penske, appealed that decision, and in October 1981, Unser was reinstated as the winner. It was the final time that he would compete in the Indianapolis 500. Unser retired from racing to help young Mexican driver Jose Le Garza at the 1982 Indianapolis 500. Although he would never drive another race car, Unser was still one of the biggest personalities in racing. When his nephew, Al Unser Jr., was a rookie at the Indy 500 in 1983, Bobby Unser earned the nickname Uncle Bobby. Over the years, he became Uncle Bobby to his list of friends. As a longtime journalist covering IndyCar races beginning in the late 1980s, I got to be friends with many of my heroes, including Bobby Unser. As the years went by, Unser would always greet me with a warm smile and an engaging handshake. If he liked you, he called you father. Other motorsports journalists, such as Robin Miller, TV's Dave First, and famed publicist Steve Shunk, had become a part of Unser's extended family. We greeted him when his motorhome arrived at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway every May, and we bid farewell to him the night of the race. To us, he was simply Uncle Bobby. At a performance racing industry show one year in Indianapolis, Chunk was off to a meeting and handed me $20 and said, you've got to take Uncle Bobby over to get a hot dog while I go to this meeting. Because Uncle Bobby knew so many people in the Indiana Convention Center at the PRI show, something as simple as getting a hot dog took two hours. It seemed that practically everyone wanted to talk to Uncle Bobby, and Unser was happy to talk to anyone who stopped him. The man seemingly knew everybody. He was also plugged into racing and always pulled me aside or Robin Miller or anyone else he thought knew what was really going on in IndyCar. 
Those were the surreal moments when an IndyCar legend was actually asking me what was going on and was interested and engaged with what I had to say. But over the years, Uncle Bobby began to slip away. First, it was his back, which was so bad his body was contorted. And then the mind started to slowly fade. A man who had so many great stories to tell began to forget some of them. The past year or two, Uncle Bobby and his wife, Lisa, stayed at the family residence in Albuquerque, New Mexico, known as Unserville. Some of us would check in on them over the phone. On a good day, he remembered, but on a bad day, Unser had become a man of few words. He turned 87 on February 20, sharing the same birthday as Roger Penske. I made sure I called Uncle Bobby that day to wish him a happy birthday. Somehow, I was the first to call, and he was having a good day. He remembered everything, was thrilled the people remembered him on his birthday. We talked, he joked, we laughed, and we ended the call by saying we loved each other. I knew that may be one of the last times we ever spoke, but I was always hopeful that he would still be around and maybe make it back for one last Indy 500. Monday morning, I was seated on an American Airlines flight home following the IndyCar Series doubleheader at Texas Motor Speedway when Steve Shunk sent me the text message that said, yes, it's true, ugh. I inquired what he meant. His response was, Bobby passed. A quick call to Mario Andretti and Rick Mears followed to pass along the news. Andretti already knew, but Mears had not. Damn, what a sad day, Mears texted back to me. So as I sat on this flight somewhere over the skies of Meridian, Mississippi, through tear-filled eyes, I had to remind myself that Uncle Bobby was a man who invoked laughter, not tears. He was one of the greatest storytellers racing has ever known. His stories were legendary. Somehow, this kid from northern Indiana got to become close friends with one of the greats in Indianapolis 500 history to the point where we actually loved each other. To me, Bobby Unser will always be one of a kind. Thank you for being a key part of this journey and for your friendship. Godspeed, Uncle Bobby. The first part of today's Pit Pass Indy will be remembering Bobby Unser, and our first guest is going to be 1969 Indianapolis 500 winning driver and racing legend Mario Andretti. After Andretti's interview, we have an interview with Rick Mears, a four-time Indianapolis 500 winning driver who was one of Unser's final teammates at Team Penske in 1981. Joining us now is one of Bobby Unser's fiercest competitors. It's Mario Andretti, a living legend himself, one of the greatest race drivers of all time. But Mario, I'm sure as you reflect back on the life of Bobby Unser, he may have been one of the fiercest competitors that you had to face on the racetrack. He always, he, he was just a charger. He never really let off the gas. He always wanted to take the car as fast as it could go. What are some of the things that you're reflecting about on Bobby Unser on his passing today? Well, exactly what you said. The, the great times that we had together, Vaughn, bon both on and off the track. I mean, on on track, as you say, he was such a charger, and I think I, I was too, in some degree. So uh, we were out there just fighting almost every race, every uh, sprint car race, whether it was sprint cars or or um, Indy cars. Uh, we were even teammates at one point uh, for Roger Penske while he was in Formula One. And uh, so... Again, uh, we uh, we were into each other, uh, you know, 
throughout our careers, throughout until he retired, of course, and then. Uh, but our friendship uh, obviously just became even stronger and stronger because of uh, looking back at the times that we had together. So, so again, you know, Bobby was a very colorful individual, as we all know, and uh, and it was uh, easy to uh, <laughs> you know to be part of his circle. And and again, it's just um, fun memories for sure. And when you think of Bobby Unser, he seemed to have this larger-than-life persona. He loved to talk, and he was highly opinionated and often controversial, which made him really a colorful character in the history of IndyCar. (laughs) Yes, no question. They don't make him anymore like that. I think uh, they threw the mold away when they made him. But uh, as you can see, he uh, he was really widely liked because of all of that you know as i say it's uh uh in conversation he always wanted to be dominant and we all knew that and and uh, and again uh, that in itself i think was kind of fun to be around so um all the stories you know that uh were always out there um again i mean he, he'll be missed so much i just remember that uh you know, at Indy, we always look forward to uh, all of us guys to get together at least one night and uh, just reminisce and all our battles and everything. And uh, and now that, that uh, one of the the main contenders will be missing. And when you came to Indianapolis as a rookie in 1965, Bobby Unser came in 1963, but he was already part of a famous racing family with the Pikes Peak Hill Climb. What do you recall of the younger Bobby Unser and what it was like and that family's connection to the Indianapolis 500 and the Pikes Peak Hill Climb that a lot of people by today's standards probably don't realize just what a great name the Unsers were at Pikes Peak? Yes, for sure. You know, talk about Pikes Peak, it's because of Bobby that uh, I got to experience Pikes Peak and and he uh, he was adamant that I should do it. And finally convinced me, and then I, even I, the first one that I did, I drove his car. And the deal that I had with him, I said, there's no way I could beat him because of his knowledge of the uh, of that hill climb. Um, he made a deal that he's going to drive the stock car division, and I would be in the champ car division. <laughs> and then uh, I didn't win the first one. I win the third try, and then... Uh, then I was happy enough to just leave it alone, you know, but, uh, uh, that experience for me is golden. It's very precious because again, it's so unique. And, um, and again, it even contributed uh, for points for my championship in 1969. So, uh, again, I just drove that with three totally different cars each year. And, and it's because of Bobby that I have that, um, very precious memory. And can you think of two brothers that had as drastically different types of racing styles as the Unser's? Uh, Bobby was the charger. He'd go out and run the car until the engine blew up. Meanwhile, Al was the guy who would lurk around in the weeds, wait for the race to come to him, was often in the right position to uh, win the race. Yes, uh, the strategies were different for sure. And their their styles, as you said, uh, it's uh, completely different. Um, no question about it. I think, uh, you know, I was perfect for that type of, uh, you know, for those times when, uh, the cars were not as reliable 
And, um, you know, I think Bobby and myself would have uh, been much better in, you know, much better style for today's driving because uh, today's uh, reliability of cars is there and uh, and you need to charge right from the get-go. And uh, But, uh, again, I guess we were both born a little bit too early. But, <laughs> nevertheless, um, I have no regrets, and I'm sure you didn't either. You know, this was our style, and that's where we got the satisfaction that uh, we did all along. When things went well, they went really well for us. I can tell you, I, I don't think I got too many gifts as far as victory victories, you know, maybe one or two, but uh, most of them I had to fight for right to tooth and nail right to the end. And so did he. And one of the races that uh, you'll forever be linked with Bobby Unser, of course, is the 1981 Indianapolis 500. You know, video showed in the race, the ABC telecast that he passed nine cars leaving pit lane under yellow. Um, your team protested USAC gave the victory to you. Then eight months later, six months later in October of 1981, Peel's board gave it back to Bobby. But during that time, was your, did it strain the relationship that you had with each other? Well, you know, that had to be, obviously there was some strain there, but the, first of all, we did not protest. We didn't have to, uh, USAC, uh, penalized them and that said we, we were going to if USAC wouldn't have because there was definitely an infraction. And, um, but, uh, you know, when everything shook out, you know, as far as how they arrived at the decision, um, I, I never blamed Bobby or, or for that matter, Roger Penske, you know, for having his lawyers to be smarter than USAC lawyers. Uh, I always blame USAC. And USAC was, uh, as an organization in those days, was kind of a lame duck organization anyway. And they allow the rules, you know, basically to be, to change, you know, by uh, <laughs> what uh, was suggested to, to have a selected three judges. And uh, Bobby was never cleared of his infraction because he was fined $40,000 and then given the race back. But now that the important thing is Bobby, you know, has always thought that I was, you know, resentful to him and all that. Well, he, I put a lot of that to peace, you know, at the end I said, Bobby, I said, uh, you know what? I won that race, but it's, you got it. And, but, uh, and I don't, it's not your fault that you got it, you know. I, uh, I think that um, I probably would have done the same if I was in your place. So I said, I'm only blaming you, Sack. Not you, not Penske. That's as clear as it can be. So uh, and he was good with that. He retired from racing uh, at the end of the 1981 season. I believe he was doing a test run for Pat Patrick. Um before the 1982 season and then decided that, you know, it was time to hang it up. He went on to TV and for a lot of what was left of your career in IndyCar and in cart, you had Bobby Unser and Paul Page and Sam Posey as the broadcast crew for ABC. And a lot of people, those were the glory days that they remember. It was a great, uh, they were great promoters for the series uh, to hear those three talk about cart 
uh, the Indy 500, any of those races of that era was a tremendous time for TV exposure for the series. What did you think of him as a broadcaster and how he kind of brought the same Bobby Unser controversy to the broadcast booth that he had as a driver? Well, again, you know, he was very opinionated, but uh, he was also an expert uh, when it came to the sport. And uh, I think he was very, very good as a uh, uh, as a commentator. And, uh, I mean, he was even in Formula One. I remember when I won Long Beach, I think he was on the telecast. So, um, yes, I mean, they were, uh, that team was sought after. They were doing a great job. And, and again, you know, I think he really did a great job as uh, because, uh, as you said, he could talk. <laughs> and um, and I think um, he could explain things very well, you know, to the audience. So, um, yeah, yeah, he was successful in that in that position as well. And as we wrap up here with racing legend Mario Andretti, there are so many stories you could tell about Bobby Unser. But what is the what is your favorite story? Well, I mean, uh it's just uh, there's so many though, and and, and it's all about. Uh, it was always uh, off the track. It was always fun to be around. I mean, even the trip that we did to Italy in '68, where uh, I got him a ride with uh, BRM, you know. So uh, because we had to come back on Saturday to run the Hoosier Hundred, can you imagine what that trip was all about? And uh, we're out there qualifying in the first doing the first practice and uh, slipstreaming, you know, helping each other to get on that grid, you know, and uh, anything, and then going back, we didn't have credentials, and and uh, <laughs> and the police there, they pulled a gun on us, <laughs> you know, at, at the gate in Monza on the morning of the race, stuff like that. I mean, uh, yeah, these are all the stories that we no, we were just rehashing back and forth over the years, but uh, there's so many. Well, and also, uh, <laughs> the Unser family were legends when it came to rental car companies. Uh, <laughs> there wasn't there pretty much a prohibition of the rental car companies from even renting them cars for a while. Well, I guess, you know, all of that, some of the stupid things were going on, I suppose, in that respect, but... Uh, Everybody was just trying to outdo each other, and uh, but um, again, you know, just uh, different times, and and uh, and again, just uh, uh, but looking back, you know, with a lot of these uh, moments, you know, with uh, uh, it was just very, you know, very interesting, and uh, and I looked at with fondness, quite honestly. Well, wrapping up here with Mario Andretti, I guess there's a Dr. Seuss line that's highly appropriate today. Don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. And I guess that best sums up Bobby Unser. I agree. Mario, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. For good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. And last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. In 2022, Penske was the first team in history to win both the IndyCar and the NASCAR Cup Series championships in the same season. 
Team Penske enters the 2024 NTT IndyCar Series season with 236 IndyCar wins, including 34 500-mile race victories. Those are results that are tough to top. But Penske's legendary reputation for quality and attention to detail makes a statement off the track, too. When you need a truck, whether for your business or for a household move, Penske Truck Rental has some of the cleanest, newest, and best-maintained vehicles on the road. And we make it easy with personalized support from our associates, flexible reservations, and access to the top technology. With quick pickup and drop-off at more than 2,500 locations across North America, our scale and know-how will keep you covered, all helping to ensure you get the right, reliable, fuel-efficient vehicle when and where you need it. On the highways, the raceways, and every pit stop in between, Penske keeps you moving forward. Gain ground with Penske. Get a quote today at PenskeTruckRental.com or for household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. And now here is four-time Indianapolis 500 winning driver Rick Mears sharing his thoughts and reflections on the late, great Bobby Unser. Better days, but I guess there's a Dr. Seuss line that you think about. Uh, one is don't cry because it's over, smile because it happened. And I guess, yeah. you know, that's kind of, that fits Bobby Unser to a T. Yeah. You know, in many ways, because, I mean, he certainly was a character. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. No, his, uh, his personality will be missed. And uh, early in your career, he was, I guess you would say, the senior driver, the lead driver at Penske Racing. And I know that you and I have chatted in the past that Bobby admitted that he, you know, looking back, he wasn't a very good teammate. And you always contend he was a better teammate than he realized because I learned an awful lot just observing him. What was it about him in those days that you know, could be difficult for to have him as a teammate, but valuable at the same time. Well, yeah, you know, Bobby, he was a great teammate. You know, he and I got along, we got along well, and he helped me, you know, when I first got into IndyCars, because I'd met him at Pikes Peak and everything else beforehand. So he kind of helped me when I was driving for, you know, the other teams, and pointing me in the right directions. But but when uh, when we got together on the, the Penske team, now I'm a competitor, you know. And 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 I understood that with him. He he was old school in that respect. He didn't he didn't really go along a hundred percent with the team concept, um, which which I understood. So it really it really wasn't a problem to me because at that point too I was kind of I was getting my feet under me and and you know we were kind of running pretty decent and and I had my own ego and my own pride you know and and kind of wanted to feel like I did it myself. So, but that, that didn't mean I didn't watch him and listen and pay attention, you know? So, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't really lean on him too much as far as asking him, you know, certain things because I knew it kind of put him in a spot because I understood how he was, but you know, that, that part of it, but I, I darn sure kept my eyes and ears open and, and I really learned a lot from him. You know, in that respect, and there were things he would help me on. You know, unless I start getting too close in in, in his direction on what he was working on, <laughs> and he might back up a little bit. But uh, he was good. 
I think I recall uh, what you would say is, uh, you know, the times that he said maybe I could have been a better teammate, and your reaction was he taught me more than he ever knew, than, than he ever realized that he was teaching me at the time. Is that kind of the way he was? or? Well, yeah, yeah, and, and he's the one that came up with that. Or, you know, originally uh, he had, you know, after he had retired pretty much, you know, he, he would tell people that, like go to a function or whatever. And, and if my name came up, he'd tell people, you know, he taught me everything I know. And, um, you know, that, that was just, that was typical Bobby. And, uh, and I got a kick out of it. And so I started using it back at him. And, uh, and that's where the other part of it came from. We'd be at a function. And if he went up before I did, he'd get to say that, you know, yeah, I taught mirrors everything he knows. So when I got up, I'd say, you know, Bobby said he, he taught me everything he knows. And, and uh, I got to tell you, he taught me more than he knows. You know, and he, he taught me how to read between the lines, how to sort through the BS, you know, and all that. So he said, I said he, he did teach me a lot. And in some ways, you could say that both of you came from the most untraditional type of careers to make it into the into IndyCar and the Indianapolis 500, you came from off-road racing. He was the king of Pikes Peak. You know, those aren't exactly the proving grounds that a lot of people think of, of IndyCar drivers from the 50s and 60s. You think of them more on the, the bull rings, the short tracks, but you guys came from a different path. Well, to a point, you know, I mean, he 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 was a little more, a little closer to the, to the traditional with the because of some of the sprint car driving that he did and, you know, and, and uh, the dirt cars. So he had done a little, he'd done a little more of that than I did. And, and then, but it was, uh, I think, a little more unconventional than, than the most uh, that came in. And then mine being from off road, it was totally different. Um, you know, nobody had ever really come from that direction. So, um, but it just, you know, times were changing at the same time too. When I came in, they weren't so much when Bobby came in, they were still in the, the roadster era, you know, the front engine cars and, and not much in the way of aerodynamics and that kind of thing. Or by the time I got there, they were into the rear engine and, and, and playing with the wings and the aerodynamics and that was all getting started up. And so me with the off-road the rear engine cars, they, you know, they're, they, most of the off-road cars were into that I drove, and then I got in a little bit of Formula B and Super V, which was mid-engine like like the Indy cars were, and and did a little bit of road racing. So that kind of those times were changing, where the car owners were starting to look a little bit more in a in a little different direction than the midget or the sprint car, because of the the Indy cars being mid-engine, rear-engine cars. So. So I just happened that the timing wise, you know, although the, the desert and off road was very unique, that little bit of V and super V kind of helped, uh, get me a little closer to, to what the IndyCars were, you know, and the aerodynamics, that kind of thing. Now you were teammates when he won his third Indianapolis 500, but you didn't get to really celebrate it with him because you had been involved in that horrific pit fire during that race at Indianapolis. Um, where were you when you heard that he had won and, you know, what was that like to, you know, it was great that Penske racing had won the race, but you know, you had already gone through a pretty bad experience yourself that race. 
Oh yeah, I don't remember exactly. You know it, the detail of exactly where I was at, or uh, you know when I heard. Um, I don't know if I was at the hospital at that point still, or if I'd already kind of started on my way back to California to get together with the doctor there. Or I, I can't remember for sure, but I know, I know. You know, it's, you know, you're always, you know, you're always pulling for the team, and uh, you know, so got word that he had won it. You know, it, it was a it was a great deal for everybody. You know, and, you know, I mean, I, I was I was tickled for him and tickled for the team. Um, you know, the fire deal was I was tickled. It wasn't any worse than it was, but I I was a little upset because I I think we had a good car that day too, and uh, you know I felt like we'd had a pretty good a pretty good shot at running up front you know, had, had things gone our way, but, but it didn't go our way. So, so that was the end of the day, but so if we can't, then it's always great. You know, if your teammate can. So Bobby Unser retires at the end of the 81 season, and he then becomes a key part of some of the biggest moments in your career from that point forward, because he was on the ABC telecast. And if you go back and look at a lot of the great accomplishments you know, Rick Mears is a race driver in the Indy 500 and other kart races. There's Bobby Unser's voice describing some of it. So what was it like back in those days to have a guy who had an awful lot of authority to explain to race fans on TV what it was like out there? Well, it was good. I think he did a great job, you know, because of his personality. And, you know, it didn't bother him to say what he thought, you know, and he, and he was very technical. So he's very good at explaining to people, you know, what was taking place with the cars and what was taking place on the track, you know, when, when there was a battle, a battle going on and, and all that. So, you know, I, I think, uh, it was a great time for IndyCar for him to be in the booth and he did a good job at it. And it was good, you know, for me, to, you know, when I get to watch it afterward or whatever, you know, listen to it, it's, uh, you know, he was, he was a good friend too. You know, so it was always fun to watch him and listen to him and see what he had to say. Do you have a favorite Bobby Unser memory? Oh, I, well, yeah, I guess, I mean, there, there's probably a lot I can't think of off the top of my head now. I mean, there's one that jumps out at me um, when, I was, when I was first getting started. And, and I was, we were at Atlanta, and I was riding with Bobby in the rental car and going into the racetrack. And we were coming into the racetrack track and we got to the, the gate and, and the, the, the guard at the gate asking for his, you know, for his ticket, for his pass to get in. And, and Bobby got all upset. He just started, you know, reading the, reading the guy, the riot act up one side and down the other. And, and I was, you know, I, I was kind of shrinking in the seat, you know, listening to him and he just give that guy fits. And so I thought he was really mad, you know. And so the guy lets us go through. And as we're pulling away from the gate, he turns around and looks at me and grins real big. And he says, now, see, son, that's how you do it. He said, the next time you come to the gate, they'll remember you. <laughs> you know, it's just he was he was always, especially early on like that, he was always great, uh, you know, always, always about teaching life lessons. You know, he, he was big at that. And, uh, you know, he was a larger-than-life figure and very colorful character, and he was, you know, he'll go down in history. He may not have been the greatest Indianapolis 500 driver of all time, but he was certainly one of the most well-known. And how important was that to uh, 
you know, have Bobby Unser as a key part of Indy 500 history. Oh, it's, it's huge. You know, I mean, it's, you know, him, you know, Al and Junior, the, the Unser family, and, you know, the tradition around there and everything else. I mean, it was all, you know, by the time I got there, that was all created already. And, um, you know, so it was a huge part of it. Um, you know, everything, I guess, runs its course and went getting started up. And, and there are the names before him, I guess, and, and that group that, that had done a similar thing. But, uh, you know, when I got there, they, they were still in the heat of the battle and they'd already, you know, won a lot of races and, and, and created their names and, and their history and, uh, and the records and record books and all that. And so when I got there, it was, you know, to be able to get involved with them and have, you know, him as a teammate, uh, you know, after meeting him at Pikes Peak, you know, before I even considered or even thought about getting into an Indy car for it to come kind of circle like that from Pikes Peak, they end up him helping me at Indianapolis when I was in the Indy cars, when I was first getting started, he basically got me in my second ride. Uh, you know, it was just, um, and he was a good friend. He's just a good friend, a lot of fun. So, uh, he's a huge part, huge part of the whole, the whole system. And it'll be a huge void when we don't see him at the speedway anymore. But, you know, remember all the great times that we were able to share with him as well. What we have to do, but absolutely, Rick Mears. I know it's a sad day for us, but like I'd said, we have so many great memories of the man that that's that's what we can reflect on now, and and that's very important. No, absolutely, and and you know he he'll be missed big time um, by a, a lot of people, and you know obviously my condolences to his family and 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 friends and everybody else. So um, it is a sad day. Um, and he will be missed. Four-time Indianapolis 500-winning driver Rick Mears, thank you for sharing your thoughts on uh, the great Bobby Unser and and on his passing. This episode of Pit Pass Indy was supposed to be a look back at the hectic action, the wild doubleheader weekend at Texas Motor Speedway. But, of course, all of that changed with the news of the passing of three-time Indy 500 winner Bobby Unser. Be sure to tune in to next week's Pit Pass Indy. We will go back over the Texas Motor Speedway race, talk about some of the big storylines that came out of that, such as Scott Dixon's dominating victory in the first race and the emergence of rookie driver from New Zealand, Scott McLaughlin, finishing second in his very first oval race. And then we'll be back to talk about the Sunday race that was won by Pato Award of Mexico, his first career NTT IndyCar Series victory, along with some of the other major storylines that came out of Texas Motor Speedway, as well as some other interviews and news as the series now heads to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for the month of May, the IndyCar Grand Prix, and of course, the 105th Indianapolis 500 on May 30th. We'd like to thank our guests today who remembered Bobby Unser, including his racing rivals and close friends, Mario Andretti and Rick Mears. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thanks to our production team. Executive producers are Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Recordings and edits were done by me, and final mixing was done by Dave Douglas. Learn more at evergreenpodcast.com. Until next time, be sure to keep it out of the wall.